Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast, and uh, as you notice, you probably already noticed, uh, Corey's not here today, and, and Brady's not here as well, so we got a, a short crew, which is Colin, Jockstrap, and I, and we're going to be... Uh, we're going to keep it plain and simple. Yeah, we're going to be going through this pretty quick. Uh, we, well, it wasn't a whole lot of big games going on in the Big 12, so they'll be pretty easy to cover. Right. Then we're we're going to get into some of the coaching moves, and also kind of the odds of the Big 12 going to playoff, which is basically zero, so... Uh, so for tonight, we're going to call this the the Go Pokes Hour. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Enjoy as you will. We don't have to have any Oklahoma references tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so let's go ahead and just jump right into the games. Then you know the first game we had uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, we had uh, the TCU and Texas game, and uh, TCU went into Austin and won thirty-one nine, which uh, actually surprised me quite a bit because I wasn't expecting that big of a of a victory. I was I was expecting a close ball game all the way through. I mean. What do you guys think? I completely agree. It was, you know, I expected more of a more of a close scoring game, especially with it potentially being strong swan song. Right. Let's say that three times fast. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, thirty-one to nine, Texas. They did have their opportunities early in the game, especially the first three quarters. You drive down into the red zone multiple times, even have some turnovers that you get the ball down on a short field, and all they could come away with was three points. And like we've said many times on this show, if you can't turn these drives into touchdowns, but you only get a field goal, you're not going to win a lot of these games. And that's kind of what happened here. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, at halftime, it was 7-6. And to me, it seemed like the, the tides turned. It seemed like TCU coaches went in and came up with a game plan, made some changes. And it didn't seem like Texas, you know, if they did make changes, it, they weren't the right changes, you know, <laughs> apparently. You know, but that, that was, you know, they got scored 24-3 to there in, in the second half. I mean, that was, to me, kind of surprising because I was expecting more – of a you know the same thing that happened in the first half kind of happened in the second half and it really surprised me. Yeah, and the the defense for Texas played well in the first half, holding TCU to the seven points because you know TCU didn't play all that well against Oklahoma State last, or I guess it was last week, yeah. But they did, you know, they've had some good games. They've I guess it's been kind of an up and down season for them, but they definitely definitely fell apart in the second half, and especially you let Kenny Hill get running on you, and and you're going to be in for a long game. Yeah, well, you know, surprisingly, you know, he he went through for 150 yards in this game, which really surprised me. I was expecting him to kind of fire the ball around a little bit more, but they really do that. They kind of relied more on the run game TCU did, which I mean was good to see in a way because Kenny Hill, when he comes to throwing the ball, you like we've talked about on the show many times, you never know what you're going to get. It's kind of jackal or hide. It's well, he he did have his usual. Head scratching moments, yeah. but you know you, you kind of erase that when you run for a forty-one yard touchdown, and you know that to me was the the play of the game. That touchdown put it to seventeen nine, and wasn't really close again. No, that's kind of like the momentum, big momentum swing, and that's what we've always talked about with Hill. Is like he gives you that big playability. You yes. know, we we think we think Sawyer has potential to be a good quarterback, but it seems like Hill has that that ability to have that home run, that big play, whether it's in the passing game or the run game. That, that really is the, the difference in, in a TCU offense. And Hill and Bouchel didn't even throw a touchdown this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Which uh, is very, very striking for a Big 12 game for both quarterbacks yeah. not to throw a touchdown I mean, yeah. that would be an interesting stat. Like, how, how often has that happened in the Big 12 in the past, say, five years? Because, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but, I mean, that would be an interesting stat yeah, to look like, up because I – Like three or two. <laughs> like, you making stuff up over here? Or you just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I'd be interesting to know, you know, is Bouchel banged up or something because – you know, maybe he's running into somewhat of a freshman wall or something because throwing completely below fifty uh, percent of your passes and and for the yards that he did, that's not what we've come to expect from him. No, and you kind of expect him to hit that one long ball every once yeah. in a while, and he and he really didn't have that in this game. Well, it, it seems like as the seasons kind of progress, you see the Longhorns relying more and more and more on Dante Foreman, and again they did. I think he had what thirty one carries for. A little over 160 100, yards. 165 yards, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we we do need to mention that he did cross the 2,000-yard mark on he the did. season, which I guess he's the second Texas Longhorn to ever do that behind Ricky Williams. Yeah, he, he's had a hell of a season. And it's probably one of those things where if you're carrying the ball 
you know, like last week you carried, what, 51 times? And the week before that was like 40-something times. I mean, you, you get that many carries back to back to back. You, your body – I know he's a big boy, but your body's got to start wearing down. I yeah. mean, that, that's a lot of touches and a lot of lot of punishment on your body. Well, and, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, you've seen out some reports coming out that Texas has a shot at still getting bowl eligible due to the limited number of teams that didn't qualify for a bowl game. Right. So they have a shot, and if he does, you know, if they do accept the bowl bid, which I'm not sold that they will, if they do, then he has a shot at the all-time Texas rushing record. Right. Well, you know, and that being said, I know we we're going to talk about the, the hiring and firing later, but, you know, Herman, they, I guess it was reported that he basically sat down the entire staff and told them they were all gone. So, I mean, if they do decide to do a bowl game, do they stay on for that one bowl game? Or, like, what the hell happens? Because it's kind of a – Herman rolls out with the, the six guys he's bringing from Houston and says, hand the ball to Foreman. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean I, that's about the only option they got. I mean, it's really a, – it's a strange thing because – I mean, you think at five or seven, oh, you're not getting the bowl game. But now, if they do, do they accept it, or are they just not worry about it? Because it's I, I just can't imagine them accepting the bowl bid. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, especially I, with Texas being the the prestigious institution that we're we've been led to believe they are. You know, I, I don't see them doing it. I can't imagine a a, a program of their stature going at five and seven. I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it doesn't really make sense at this point. You're not going to gain anything. You're not going to get any kind of you know familiarity with the coaching staff or anything. So I mean, I, I'm with you. It's it's probably best just to cut and and just start over fresh. Yeah, it's time to it's time to start the rebuild on the coaching staff and put in the new playbooks and and all that stuff. Yeah, and there's no way they're going to put that in in a month. Right. So I mean, it's I'm I'm with you. It's 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 best for Texas to go ahead and just cut it and go on. What's what's your opinion, Jockstrap? Do you think they should accept the bull bid or not? I don't think they should. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I it's probably not the smartest move. I mean. Depending on the situation, if it's, if Charlie Strong was still the coach, then I would say go ahead and do it. But in this situation, I I don't think it's good for anybody involved. It's just weird to me that five and seven teams can can go to bowls. Well, you know, and they're talking about like maybe three or four of them getting in like that. Yeah. I mean, it's not just one. So it's this is a clear sign that there are too many bowls out there. If you're if you're coming into a problem where there's multiple five and seventeens being considered, then it's time to start cutting back on some of these bowls. Well, I agree. I mean, and besides, you can't. As a fan, are you really able to watch every single damn bowl game anyway? I mean, I no. I know I can't. I mean, I, I try to, like, but it's impossible. Well, like, and you go to the lower tier bowls, and, you know, you're watching it on TV, and you're like, did any fans actually go to this game? There's like 40 people on screen that I can see. You know, they do like the Bahamas Bowl. Right. Between directional school versus directional school. Like, who really cares about that game? Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the fan Gambling. base of those, but yeah. The gamblers, that's about it. It's kind of like that one bowl game that's always like between between the national championship game and the playoff. There's like that one weird bowl game like on Tuesday night. that, that like doesn't... Jackson, Jacksonville State versus. Yeah, like, I mean, the only people that are really interested in that game is people trying to make some money back that lost their ass the weekend before. <laughs> you know I mean? That's really about the only people watching that game. Right. It's... And the tickets are probably like 20 bucks. Yeah, uh, they probably are, but, I mean, who the hell wants to go watch that? I don't think they could sell tickets for $20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's when that's those games that you take the, the Coke cans to that gives you the free admission. Exactly. <laughs> Is that bringing a monster can and you get in for free? <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's go ahead and uh, kind of cover that game because there really wasn't a whole lot of action in that game. It's pretty much what we talked about. Yeah, and, cut and dry. In, in the next game we have, we have uh, next later on that evening, we had uh, Baylor and Texas Tech uh, playing at Jerry's World and. Texas Tech won fifty four thirty five and Phew. Yeah, well my my take in this game was I just felt like Baylor from the get go kinda would just mellowed it in. As a staff, as players, I mean the the seasons finally wore on them. I mean, to enough to where they're calling uncle. I mean it's it's to that point now. Do you know, I mean, do you know how much Chuck uh, do you know how much uh, who is replacing Seth Russell? Yeah, Zach Smith. Zach, Zach Smith. Smith. Yeah. Yeah, and he actually had a good game. Yeah, he he didn't play very bad. No, I'm I, I agree with that. It seemed like he was my only guy that was really interested in playing because I mean he had something to play for, but the rest of them kind of seemed like they were just kind of melling it in. Right. I mean, it's just you know, I think it's just one of those one of those games. It's it's time for them to move on from this coaching staff, and I think the results of the last couple of weeks have proven that point. It was. You know, I don't want to say it was an outright mistake keeping him on through this season because I guess they wanted to keep some kind of continuity for the team. But you kind of see the the situation has kind of been burning to the top as the season's gone along, and now it's a, for lack of a better term, a full full on dumpster fire. You know, everything's going going crazy. You have the players are, are 
You know, I don't know if they're not being coached enough because right. the coaches have clearly checked out. They're, oh, absolutely. They're done. Grobe, you know, for to give him credit, he's kind of not said anything the entire season, and now he's just kind of happily accepting his check and going off into retirement. Yeah, I mean, he was put in such a bad situation. I mean, it would have been different if they would have cut ties with the other guys too. Yes. And it maybe gave him a little bit more leadership and a little more ability to do things, but – Leaving everybody on and then just throwing him on onto the top of it, trying to manage it, was impossible. I yeah. mean, he, he was put in a really bad situation. And, you know, my question would be, if you were Baylor to go back and do it all over again, would you wipe the slate clean or would you have left it the way it was? I think they would have left it the way it was, so? sadly enough. I don't – you know, and I think part of the problem was that it kind of happened in between when you would actually look and go out for an interim – interim staff it was close to the season so they said you know at this time we need to make a move we can't go into the season with coach Bryles leading us we need to we need to make a cut there but at the same time to give us a chance of having a decent season we need to keep the staff the the part that really is confusing to me is you've heard the entire season that this coaching staff is not recruiting right why would you not be recruiting to at least help the university and i know to them they're just like we don't care anymore because we're not going to be here obviously so well i mean and if i'm a person that's trying to hire let's say one of these guys needs a job and i'm at another university do you really want someone that that had that kind of attitude at another university like where they they just melded in and didn't actually do their job i mean at what point do you say do you hold them accountable for that portion of it? I mean, the whole legal side of it and all that stuff, that, that'll come out eventually, and we'll, we'll, we'll wait through that. But, I mean, just based on their attitude and the way they've conducted themselves hasn't been very good. I just I just don't understand the, the lack of recruiting. That, that's something that on top of all the stuff that they have going on, when you look, miss out on basically two full classes, this is going to go back to old-school Baylor bad football really fast. Well, it has to. I mean, you're yeah. talking – it's kind of like the whole Kansas situation. When you don't have people filling in those roster spots, eventually it catches up with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and Kansas is going through that right now, and you're right. Baylor, it's say two years, is going to be going through that. It's going to be it's going to be a rough go. Well, and they're still – they're losing players that are on campus, and I don't think we've seen the last transfer out of there. No, no. So, it's not, not even they're, they're losing people. You know, the last class, you had all the people they had to release from the letters of intent. Then you have basically the entire – 2017 class decommits except I think they have one commitment one, right now. Yeah. Then you're losing players that are already on campus. They're transferring. Well, and, and it's, it's, it's bad. And, and then there's a story of the high school coaches there in Waco saying that they're not even getting invited to the games. Like their kids are not getting invited to the games. Uh, you know, th- things like that that you would think would be very simple to do. Not I'm not saying you have to travel all across the country and recruit, but you should be recruiting in, in that general area: Waco, Dallas, Houston. They should be hitting those areas trying to help the school out. And it's 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 turned out really bad. It's a bad situation, but uh, on, on the other hand, uh, Mahomes, man, that, what else can you say about the guy? Five hundred eighty-six yards and six touchdowns. I mean, yeah, tech, tech fans enjoy it while you can because I, I think we've seen the last of him in a Texas Tech uniform. Well, yeah, we're talking about I mean, what? What do you say? He was projected a top five pick, wasn't it, or something like that? You know, as uh, probably quarterback wise, top five quarterback. So, I mean, more likely first-round pick for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, w- I would think that he has a good shot, if not high second. But even at, even at that point, you know, I think Corey's brought it up. Do you really want to go back if you're him and take the beating that he did and, you know, have to produce 75 to 80% of the whole offense for the team when you're looking at a 5-7 and seven record? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if, if I'm him or I'm his parents talking to him, I mean, at a certain point you got to be like, hey – the extra year at XX Tech is not going to get you that much further ahead in the draft, and your body is going to be beat to hell. I mean, yeah. it's 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 well, a bad situation. It'll just be it'll be interesting to see. You know, everybody, especially the teams that have been eliminated from bowl contention at this point, you know, they're going to be putting out the fillers to see what the draft grades are. You know, where do where do they see these guys getting drafted? And I I have to say, I I can't imagine him not being a high pick. Well, you know, I, I think. It gets lost in the shuffle this year. You know, they're finishing what four and seven. I think they finished or five and seven. I think it was five and seven. Five and seven, yeah. What it gets lost in the shuffle of that is how good Mahomes was. I mean, people, what he's done this year is absolutely amazing. Yeah, he threw for over five thousand yards, yes. which is, you know, tech quarterbacks are kind of known to get up close to five thousand, if not over. But I mean, you factor that in. He throws for five thousand and then runs for, I believe, almost three hundred yards. And I think he was responsible for fifty-three touchdowns by himself. 
no passing and, and also rushing. I mean, if, if you're looking at his numbers compared to Lamar Miller's, I mean, Lamar Jackson's numbers, you know, the, the Heisman front runner, they're like identical. I mean, they're like. Well, he actually has, he's more total yards of offense. Yeah, and the two touchdowns, I think, are within one. So, I mean, like, yeah. they're, they're like, we're very, very close. And you have one that's been talking about for Heisman and one that's not talking about for anything. You know, it's. That, that's a downside. Tech has the, the system, system quarterback attached to it. That's true. Which it's – I don't think in this case it's fair to him. No, I don't either. Because it's not the same tech offense that B.J. Simmons and Cliff Kingsbury and all those guys are running. It's it's just not. No, and, and, and I don't think you could plug in somebody else and be nowhere near as, as successful as he's been in this. I mean, he's right. he's been a hell of a quarterback. And I, unfortunately, I don't know if the Big 12 is going to realize how good he has been until he's gone. You know, one of those things where you look back in two years and you're like, man – he was a damn good quarterback, wasn't he? You know. <laughs> well, I'm with I'm with Coach Gundy on this. You know, go pro, enjoy a long, successful <laughs> yeah. career in NFL, yeah. and we'll yeah. we'll root for you there. Uh, I think I think <laughs> I think that's the thing. Like the coaches see it, but I don't think the fans necessarily how good this kid is. I mean, I think it's you know, the coaches have a lot of respect for him. They see it, but as general fans, I don't think yeah. they realize how talented this kid is. It, he had me sweating in the stands in Stillwater, so. Uh, he's he's such talented man. Yes. And he my favorite thing about him is he's like he's so competitive. I mean it doesn't matter if you beat the hell out of him, if you gotta drag him off the field, he'll come out there in the next drive and try to beat you. I mean, he's tough. Yeah, I mean, tough. Well, he's, kid. he's one of those quarterbacks when when they're out there playing, it's almost like watching a backyard football game. You never know what's gonna you know, when he, when they're playing OSU to steal a, a Corey thing of referencing your your homer team. When he was doing that, there were times when I'm like, Okay, he's down and then somehow he pitches it underhand. To receiver five or six yards down the field, and you're like, "What? He was down. How's yeah. how's he doing that?" He, he reminds me a lot of like the Brett Favre type thing, where yeah. he's just tough as nails and he'll improvise and try to figure out a way to make a play happen. Even even though his talent around him is not, he has some decent talent, but they're not a great you know football team in general. But I mean, he makes them so much better than they are. I mean, without him, they might only have like one win this year. Yeah, I mean. Realistically, he he kept them into most of the ball games. Even the ones they lost, he they were close ball games because he kept them in the game. Well, it's, look look at the OU Tech game. I mean, it yes. was that was literally OU versus Patrick Mahomes. Really? Yeah, you're exactly right. It really was. Yeah, yeah. He, he he played his. I mean, the kid's super talented. Yeah. I I really hope that he goes on the NFL and has a great career because he he deserves it. I mean, he's fun to watch. I I really. As someone who's not necessarily a fan of the school, but just in football in general, he's been a joy to watch, and it's been great. So, uh, fans, Hotech fans, I hope you guys appreciate him, and and I hope that the rest of the Big Twelve kind of appreciates how good the guy is. Now, one one last stat from this game I thought was worth referencing was that uh, I believe this was the first time in Baylor's history that they had two receivers finish with over ten catches each, which between Ishmael, uh, I think it's Ishmael, isn't it? Ishmael, Ishmael, Ishmael Zamora. Mm-hmm. And uh, Katie Cannon, they both had 12 receptions for over 130 yards and a touchdown. Well, you know, that's what we're talking about. The quarterback for Baylor played well. He threw 377 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, yeah. he had a pick, too. But, I mean, f- to be a freshman and step into that, I, th- I thought he played really well. I did, too. And you could see he left it all on the field. He they, did. They, the commentators actually commented on it during the game that, you know, there's no shame to him. He, no. He's leaving it all on the field. He's getting beat up. <laughs> Well, and really, there's not that much shame to the offense. The defense just absolutely stunk it up. But I mean, the offense put up 35 points, and they and they played pretty good football. It just it's just a shame that it just seems like they're the second half. They just their momentum just ran out. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's you know obviously Jockstrap cursed them with the the bold yeah. prediction that they wouldn't win again this year. That's probably yeah. that's probably what happened right there. They, they listened to the they show. They West Virginia next. You, you added all that pressure to them that they, on top of all the other stuff, yeah. that was just kind of the – The straw that <laughs> broke the camel's back right exactly. there. Exactly. that one. <laughs> I will say, Jockstrap, that was a pretty good call you made on that one. Yeah, I, I figured – I thought you would be close. I thought they would win at least one probably. Yeah, I, I did too, to be honest. But it's kind of looking – it was the tech game. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's kind of not looking that way right now. So. No. Let's go ahead and move on uh, to the next game. We had the Kansas and Kansas State game. And uh, Kansas State uh, was Sunflower Bowl, until they call this one. I believe so, yes. And uh, it was 34-19 Kansas State. And, uh, you know, we, we said on the show about the spread, the spread was 27 points. And all and all of us agreed that that was way too many points. We, we felt like Kansas was going to go in and put it up a fight. And they did, but they just they came up short. I mean, that's, that's the best way to put it. I mean – so I, I, what did you guys think about this game? Did you guys get to watch very much of it? I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but just just kind of looking at it, is there a more Kansas State type game 
I mean, your your quarterback throws six passes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you you run the ball and obviously ran it pretty effectively. You know, looking back on it, it looks like Kansas kind of reverted to the uh, we have the interception problem again. Yes. But I, I do like that Kansas has stuck with Carter Stanley. I think this was the right call. You put the you put the freshman in, see what you have. And it, he's been pretty decent. I mean, has he struggled? Yes. But let's be honest, the upperclassmen were struggling as well. Right. You kind of put him in there, see what you have. I, I thought kind of a telltale sign of how the game went is that Stanley is your leading rusher for Kansas. And if you're Kansas and your quarterback's a leading rusher, it's probably not a good thing. No, and, and that's something that they address in the offseason. Try to find maybe a Juco guy or something to come in and fill in the running back because I'm with you. I think Stanley is the right guy for the future. He seems like he's on the right path. It seems like the team's responding to him. Um, I mean, he, he, he played pretty well. I mean, you know, 302 yards, two touchdowns, he had two picks too. But, I mean, for being a freshman going into Kansas State, and you know that's a big rivalry game, and so the atmosphere is pretty pretty intense. You know, so I, I thought he played pretty well. I mean, uh, you know, all things considered. But I'm with you. They they got to address the running back situation. They need to. That's one of the main things they need to focus on. Yeah, I agree. And you know, as far as Kansas State goes, uh, like you said, this this is whenever you think of a tech, uh, Kansas State game, you know, you think of this right here: running the football, quarterback running the football. Well, you know, play action pass. Do you know? Did Ertz get hurt in the game, or or because I see that Hubner came in. But even even Hubner only threw four passes, and I mean that's why he is as a passing quarterback. Right. right. No, they, they. I think they just pretty much relied on the run game. I mean, yeah. it, that's just pretty much what. And I think you know we talked about Bill Snyder. That's just the way he is. If he figures out you can't stop something or you can't do something, he'll do it until you figure out a way to stop it. He's one of them old school coaches like that. He doesn't try to get too fancy. Doesn't try to outthink things. If you if you can't make you can't stop a guy running the football, then. I'm gonna keep running it until you can, until you've showed me you can stop it. And right. you know, and that, that was it. 200 wins he got off of this thing. Yeah, that is that's an amazing stat. I think it was that he's the 26 person or 26 coach ever to to reach 200 wins. Well, you know, when you think about that too, you think about other coaches being at bigger programs. You know, with blue blood type programs, and you think about him, he is Kansas State football. Yeah, it, it was Kansas State when he took over was an embarrassment to football. Yeah, it was. They're, they're, they're what Kansas is right now, is what is the level that they were at. And, and to do what he's For long term. Yes. For long term. For history yeah, of their yes. program. To do what he's done there is just uh, amazing. And, you know, enjoy a Big 12 fans and really college football fans because he's a living legend. Absolutely. There's, and, there's no other way and, to phrase it. And realistically, you know, he, he's only got probably, what, a couple you know, seasons left, left, two or three yeah. seasons left. I mean, realistically. You know, but, I mean, the guy – I will say this: If there's ever been a coach that could get more out of the talent than him, I don't know who it'd be. I mean, yeah. as far as here, here's here's a group of guys, and he's going to figure out how to get 100 percent out of them. It's it's amazing what he can do. Yeah, Jackstrap. I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. Hold on, I'm writing out your bathroom pass real quick. Yeah. Can I go? Go. <laughs> <laughs> that was random. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, it also looks like Kansas State found a uh, a pretty good running back in Alex Barnes, the freshman. Yes. You know, he went over 100 yards on 10 carries. Second big week in a row for him. Has a touchdown as well. You know, if they can keep him, get him going for next year, I, I believe Ertz will be back. I, I imagine there's probably going to be some type of quarterback competition, though. I, I would think so. And they might even do kind of like uh, Iowa State did there, did there towards the end of the season where they have kind of like a running and a passing situation. And, you know, Corey's been – Always saying, you know, like since the beginning of the season, he said basically Kansas State's like a season away. Like they they're gearing up for next year to be a good run, and I I think he's he's kind of on the right path of this situation. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I was trying to see what year that the uh, is it Willis with Kansas State. Yes, I was trying to see what what year he was. You have to to bear with us. Our statistician went to the restroom real quick. <laughs> No, no, he's a senior, so they will, that's a big loss for their defense. But, yes, you know, they'll is. they'll find a way to generate pass rush, I'm sure. Yeah, and he's he's really good about, like I said, having that next guy ready. That's one thing he really does a good job coaching with. So, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with Corey on this. I think Kansas State is setting up for a good season next year, and I think Kansas is going to be better next year. Yeah. Uh, all signs yeah. are pointing towards them being better next and, year. And Iowa State as well. It seems like we're kind of, you know, you look at the SEC where the Big Ten is and everything, and 
to me, it's kind of we're going through the na- the natural cyclical process. You know, the Big 12 was dominant in the early 2000s. It moves to the SEC. The SEC is dominant for a number of years. You see them. They're starting to fall down to where the majority of the conference is mediocre. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, let me emphasize mediocre for the majority yes. of the SEC. And then now you kind of have the SEC step – or I say the SEC. The Big Ten is stepping up. They're – they're kind of the new look team, ACC. It, to me, you just you never have a conference that just is truly dominant for you know decades. No. It 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 rotates through. It has to. Yeah, I mean, it's way it's always been the time. And and right now, if you look at SEC, I mean, they're so top heavy. And for that matter, even the Big Ten, they they right now they have, I mean they have four of the teams that are are pretty damn good football teams. I'm not right. gonna lie, but the, but the other half of them, you know, the other majority of them. They're not very good. No. I mean, you know, the Minnesotas, the Rutgers. Indianas, the Rutgers, yeah. Uh, you know, there's just not – they're not very good. So, I mean – See, is there a part of you that wants to see Kansas versus Rutgers just to see, you know, like, okay, yeah. watch Kansas take Rutgers to the woodshed real quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and uh, that's, a, that's a positive thing about the Big 12, I think, right now is, is like we're talking about is you're seeing the bottom teams getting better. I mean, yes. it's not just like a – a flat line. It seems like, you know, so that's a good sign for the Big 12. If we get them competitive and get Texas and OU back to, back to Dom, you know, being at prominence in the na- nationwide, I mean, the, the Big 12 will be back around pretty quick. Yeah, and I, I think you're seeing it with Oklahoma to an extent. The last couple of classes that they've had, they're bringing in some really good athletes. And, you know, I, I know they don't think that they, at this time, they really have an even, but they're on an even playing level with the other, you know, blue bloods, you as you will. But I, I think you'll you'll start seeing them trend upward. You know, hopefully Herman can get Texas firing again, and and we'll see where we go. You know, if, if we can have Texas and OU back in a national conversation, OSU stays consistently where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, challenging for West Virginia was better this yeah. year than we thought too. Yeah, and I think you you know you're going to see Baylor drop off, obviously. Yeah, and, and TCU. And the, the bad part about the Baylor thing is it's not really. I feel bad for the kids are in the program because it's not their fault. You know, it, it's 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 you know it's the coaches and the other stuff that's caused this problem to happen. And I, I feel bad for the fans and I feel bad for the players that are there because they they didn't have anything to do with this. And, yeah. and they're they're going to take the beating for it for the next few years. It's it's a bad situation. And so uh, let's go ahead and roll in the next game, which to me was the biggest surprise of the week. And as far as Big Twelve play, um, yeah, I, I said the Texas game was surprising, but to me this score was surprising. I. I was expecting, uh, sorry, this West Virginia game, uh, West Virginia going to Iowa State, and uh, West Virginia won uh, 49 to 19. And uh, the reason why I said this was, you know, crazy to me was because I, I was really expecting Iowa State and this this game to be a lot closer. And I was expecting West Virginia to lay down a little bit after that big loss to OU, you know, with all the emotion they had. And to their credit, they came in and played good football. And really, I wasn't expecting that. So, I mean, congratulations to Dana Hogerson and, and all the players because they, they did what they were supposed to do this week. So what do you guys think about this game? Well, I thought it was it was interesting. It was a, really a pretty close ball game through the entire first half. You go into the second half, and obviously West Virginia pulls away. The Kind of the thing that, that stood out to me, let me pull up his name here, you have the um, the true freshman – my phone's loading here. Martel Petaway, you know, they burned his red shirt for this game. Right, I know. And he, he just went off, you know, 30 carries for 181 yards and a rushing touchdown for your first game. It's not a, not a bad day at the office for a true freshman. I do kind of – you wonder why they're burning it for, for this game. I don't know what they had left on the bench. I know uh, – what's his name? Um, Howard – or no, Crawford, I believe, mm-hmm. was the one that got hurt. Yeah, and Shell and Shell's been hurt a little bit too. So yeah, so I think they they got banged up and they felt they had to make a move, which obviously it paid off. And then, you know, Skyler Howard had one of his better games as a as a Mountaineer. Um, yeah, I mean, through for like three hundred three hundred thirty yards and five touchdowns. I mean, which you know, that's what we always said about Howard. He's kind of like one of those guys where when he goes out and plays well, the team does really well. And then when he has those games where he's making mistakes, that's that's where the the team gets into trouble. Right. You know. That's what we said during the OU game. We thought everything kind of relies on this guy's shoulders. I mean, uh, it's unfair to say sometimes to put everything on one guy's shoulders, but that's kind of the way it was. Like, if he if he goes out and plays like this in the OU game, that game's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's – you know, I, I feel like West Virginia was actually – they've actually played probably better than what we projected at the beginning of the season. You know, overall, I, I wasn't expecting them to be this competitive throughout. 
I mean, they really only had one bad game. You know, yeah. that, that OU game was a bad game. But other than that, they played good football. And so, I mean, looking at the next season, that's got to be a good a good stepping stone, uh, you know, for this upcoming season. Well, you lose you lose Howard, so you'll be breaking in a new quarterback. But the – I think it's – is it Will Greer or whatever his name, the transfer quarterback from Florida that uh, busted yeah. for steroids? Yeah. So, he he's there. They seem to be pretty high on him. Uh, from Iowa State, man, uh, I think something that stuck out to me is that you didn't have Lanning at all. No. He didn't have a passing attempt, didn't have a rushing attempt, which, you know, we'd kind of commented that they would seem to have found the right balance on the, the two-quarterback system, and then they go into this game and don't even use him at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, he must have been banged up for that last game, because I, mean, I know he had a lot of carries and quite a few yards, but I... That's it's something, something baffling, yeah. Yeah, something tells me something more to it, because, I mean, there's no way you go from a guy having that many yards and, and was it five touchdowns last week, to, to not getting the ball one time this week. So, I mean, something... Well, you know, something happened. Well, and even that, you have Mike Warren with two carries, and one of those he loses a fumble. Yeah, well, he's in the doghouse for sure. Obviously in the doghouse. Uh, you know, I talked to Corey about Montgomery earlier in the year. He looks pretty good, and he had a he had a pretty good game. 141 yeah. yards rushing. You know, um, I mean, it kind of is what it is. Lazard had, a, had another big game. And I think, you know, Corey keeps referencing this mythical – Iowa State freshman, and he can never remember his name. <laughs> and, Corey, if you're listening, I believe I have his name here. I'm pretty sure it's Deshante Jones. Yes. I believe this is who you were talking about. And, uh, you know, he had a, he had another big game. And they look – I mean, they could have a big a big game next year, maybe push for bowl eligibility next year. I think they really can. I mean, with all the recruits that we're seeing coming in, I mean, we'll have a recruiting special bringing that up. But with what they have coming in and what they have on, on staff now and – the amount of improvement we've seen with the offensive line. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we we, we were dogging the offensive line. I mean, I, I was – I covered the team, and I, I was really worried about it. They were so inexperienced, and then they lost, you know, their best lineman right there right before the season started. All those things combined was was bad. But I will say they fought through this thing, and they've got a whole lot better. Yeah. And it's only going into next season, they're going to they're gonna be all right. I mean, th- that, that's all I can say is – don't don't look at this season as what what you what to expect if you're an Iowa State fan because I, I have a feeling next season is going to be a lot different season yeah. in my opinion. Well, and you know, truly to to push for bowl eligibility, they just need to do better in their non conference schedule. <laughs> right. You need to win those games. You you win you know two or three of those games. You come into conference. You you think you can beat uh, Kansas. You've had TCU on the ropes for the last. What two or three years in Baylor, a row? Baylor this year they should have won. Yeah, well they had OSU yes. down to the wire. I mean they just a few steps here and there, and they can do it. And you know we've talked about it over the last couple of shows. They're bringing back all of their playmakers yes. on offense and defense. They're not they're not losing anybody. And you know they it looks like they have three proven running backs at this point. You're bringing Park back. Laney said he was coming back. Lazard will be back. You'll have Deshaunay Jones with another year. Warren says he's coming back. Yeah. Hopefully he'll get out of the doghouse because he's talented. You know, and you look at all those all those signs, that 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 all adds up to me to being a good season next year. Yes, I, I agree. I, I really expect it to be bowl eligible plus. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know how – I don't see him going 10 wins or anything, but I could see him going maybe eight wins. I mean, it wouldn't surprise – I mean, it wouldn't shock me yeah. necessarily to say they would go eight wins because they, they've been competitive this year. They just couldn't get over the hump. And it seems like now they're starting to figure things out. So, so in my opinion, I I'm if if I'm an Iowa State fan, I'm really excited about next year. I'm ready. I'm ready to get it going next year already. Yes, I agree. And with the basketball team playing as well as they are right now, I'm sure they're happy about that too. So, it's, shout out to Big Twelve basketball. Oh, we man. are we are coming eventually. Yeah. Well, matter of fact, we can talk about that for just a second. Baylor this week. Man, uh, all, all the all dominating. This, all the stuff that's happened down there in football has been kind of negative, but. Their basketball team this week has – they've already beaten three top 25 teams th- this season so far. You know, they're just getting started. Yeah, they, I mean, they've, they have probably, you know, if not the best, one of the best resumes so far in college basketball. I, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I saw today that the AP poll came out and they were ranked number eight. So, I yeah. think there's there's four Big 12 teams ranked. I think it's Kansas, Iowa State, Baylor, and uh, West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia's right on the top 25. And so, I mean, looking at the Big 12 basketball, it's going to be a great year. Uh, there's a lot of good young talent out there. And so, I mean, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm really excited about it. We'll, we'll go into basketball a little bit more 
here in the next uh, week or so. But uh, just a shout out to the ba- basketball. It's it's starting. The season is starting out really well. Yeah. Keep us in mind. We will we will get into <laughs> basketball. We don't know how heavy we'll be into it, but we will be touching on it for sure. Yeah. I mean, just just to kind of give you guys an idea. Right now. Uh, the Big 12 is 48 and 8 against uh, non-conference opponents so far this year. That, that's mean, a, a lot better than the uh, football non-conference record. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And like I said, Baylor Baylor is leading the way. They've been playing excellent basketball. Beat knocked off Michigan State, uh, knocked off Louisville. I mean, that they're they're looking like a team that's gonna finish up towards the top of this conference. So yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun year. I know well, that. And you look at a team like Oklahoma State, which I know people think I'm a homer for bringing this up, but. You know, they went out, they beat Georgetown, which I'm not sold to Georgetown's anything this season. They beat UConn, which, I mean, UConn, say what you will about them at this point, but they have some athletes on that team. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, the Georgetown team but knocked off Oregon earlier in that tournament, yeah. too. And Oregon's, Oregon's going to be a good basketball team, you know, throughout the season. I, mean, I think they're going to get better as the season goes on, but they, they got some talent, too. Yeah. And so uh, – it It's going to be an exciting an exciting year. I, I when think you're, so too. When a team that's – pick to finish seventh i think preseason is going out and beating yukon and georgetown and you know they may have got steamrolled by north carolina but man that was, who doesn't that, there's gonna be a lot of people getting steamrolled by them yes. they're they're talented they they can get up and down the court on you real fast so yeah it's it, there's some big time players in the big 12 too in basketball so it's this is gonna be a fun season i i'm really excited about the, going into basketball season i think it's gonna be a fun year for everybody involved in the big 12 it's gonna be fun yeah so. and you know we get a Ask that question that everybody's been asking for the last 13 years. Is, is somebody going to finally beat Kansas? Yeah, I, I would like to say <laughs> yes, but, I mean, honestly, I don't know, man. They're they're talented. It, they're, it's kind of funny you, you look at it as we're, we talk about football so long and, you know, Iowa State and Kansas are kind of the – Right, the cellar dwellers in in football, and then you go up, and they're the the big boys in basketball. Well, you know, and like yesterday, you know, the uh, Iowa State was playing Gonzaga, and if they they kind of didn't play very well in the first half. It got down by quite a bit, but they came back and almost won the game at the end. I mean, see, and I heard Gonzaga was just shooting lights out. Oh, they were. In that game too. I mean, they 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 could not miss. I yeah. mean, they, you know, and so I mean, for Iowa State to battle back when they were down like that, it was pretty impressive. And like I said. The, that shows me if they play well in the first half, they would have easily beat Gonzaga. They just Gonzaga couldn't miss. I mean, yeah. it, it didn't matter what they threw up; it was going in. That's the thing with basketball that's different than football. Sometimes you play those those teams that get hot shooting the ball. Doesn't matter. Well, we we saw it in the national championship game yes. last year with Villanova. Yeah, absolutely. You know, oh, uh, you saw it. Yes. You know when when you have guys that are coming in off the bench, kind of just finish the game out, and they're throwing up hell marys from you know five six feet behind the three point line, and it's going in. What do you do? Are. You can't do anything. No, about. you can't. You're right. <laughs> so, I mean, like I said, we're, we're transitioning more into basketball here pretty soon. But, you know, that, I just want to give a quick shout-out to basketball because uh, we're off to a good start. And yeah. I, I'm excited about basketball. And I, I know Colin is. Uh, Brady is probably not so much excited about basketball. But I, I know uh, we're really excited about it. So, it's going to be fun over the next few weeks, uh, you know, I guess through March. Brady's still, basketball. you know, he's doing his research on the upcoming NCAA volleyball tournament. Yeah. And- you know, field hockey. Yeah, that's true. That's favorite sport. So favorite sport. <laughs> yeah. So all right, let's go ahead and trans- back, uh, transition back to football. And and one of the big news is is that uh, with this playoff system, you know, we have going the last couple of years, does the Big Twelve have an opportunity to get in? And so I I kind of got on ESPN's website and they have like a little prediction thing. You can go on there and you can manipulate it and you know who wins and who. Using. Yeah. Okay. So you know you can figure out you know who's Based on who you pick to win or lose, what your projections are to, to actually make the playoff, and just regular odds are right now with nothing figured out is that Oklahoma has a nine percent chance and Oklahoma State has a one percent chance. So realistically, it's not going to happen. No. And then so I thought, well, let me go ahead and go in there and let me uh, say that all three of the top four teams that play this week lose. What what would happen then? So if that were to happen. OU would still only have a 58% chance, and that's the fifth highest on the list. So, I mean, odds are even if all three of those teams lose, a Big 12 team is still not getting in. Well, this is where this is where I, I thought it was interesting. I read an article by uh, Barry Trammell with – I think it's Daily Oklahoma News yes. with. But uh, he, he had brought up the point that in something like that where there was just mass chaos that OSU would actually have a better chance of getting into the playoff over OU – and it's because at the end of the day, when you look at it, OU has that loss to Ohio State, and Ohio State's in the playoff. So at the end of the day, no matter what, if it comes down to that and they're thinking, okay, 
we have the Big Ten champion, which assuming will probably be Penn State if they beat Wisconsin, obviously, and Ohio State. Well, obviously, we've seen just from the, the playoff shows that we've seen so far, they want that to happen. Right. And you're going to have that. You're going to have those two teams and then OU, and they're going to say, okay, well, Ohio State went into Norman and, and beat OU. And, and granted, you know, OU fans, it was early in the season, and OU's obviously made tremendous improvements Absolutely. since then. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the big, uh, biggest problems with OU is their slow starting team. Yeah. It seems like towards the end of the season they're playing really good football. Which but, is good from a coaching staff. You right, want that. You want right. teams to you, get better. But, but the problem is whenever you schedule – well, I know obviously when you go to scheduling, you're, you're talking years in advance. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like they just came up with this last year. But Houston and Ohio State, that that's two big, big non-conference games you got. Yeah. And you have those in the first three weeks of the season. That's that's tough. Yeah. I mean, if you're not hitting on all cylinders, it can get ugly real fast. And that's kind of what happened to them on this. Well, and I, I've always thought as, you know, as the season's progressed – what would have happened if oh, OU had played Ohio State first in, in week one and played Houston in week three? Because I don't think Houston would have beat them in week three. You're probably right. That, that would be a really interesting thing if that yeah, would have happened. I think Houston had the entire offseason to prepare for that and you know just kind of caught it caught it at the right time. But, but going back to what I was saying is that they said with OSU, which before anybody accuses me of anything, they have zero chance of getting in the playoffs, yeah, even if right. they beat OU. Yeah, that's but, pretty much what they were saying, too, on this. Yeah. And if, but what they were saying is, if it came down to where you're comparing Ohio State, Penn State, and OSU, well, you have you don't have the head-to-head between Ohio State and OSU. When you look at uh, Penn State versus OSU, you don't have a head-to-head. However, you do have a common opponent. Pitt. They both played Pitt. Right. OSU beat Pitt, but Pitt beat Penn State. So they can right. look at that. Now, not even saying that, you know, at that point you're kind of hoping that the – the committee looks at it kind of like, well, you know, that's where that Central Michigan game comes in. You're like, well, you know, they had this. We know we realized Penn State beat Ohio State, which is a huge win for anybody's resume. But at the same time, maybe we don't take – we don't – you know, OSU didn't win the Central Michigan game, but did they really lose it? Right. And well, I'm not going to – before, I, I know Corey and Brady are just probably going ballistic right now here and just talking about this, but – Well, I mean, and nothing is, is like you look at Oklahoma State, if, if they had to beat Baylor – it wouldn't be that big of it. It would be all right. But, I mean, with Baylor losing game after game after game after game after they beat Oklahoma State, it, it, it doesn't help any. No. That, that, that hurts tremendously as well. Yeah, that's why, realistically, they have no shot. No. At, at the best, OSU is playing for the Sugar Bowl. I mean, real, realistically, that's what I think. That's both, I think both OU and Oklahoma State are, are playing for the Sugar Bowl because I, I don't see either one of them getting in. Like I said, even if there's total chaos ahead of OU, the odds of them getting in are still not very good. Yeah. So I mean, I I I'm gonna say Big Twelve's not going to the playoff. You might as well just go ahead and mark that down. And this this game coming up Saturday is going to the Sugar Bowl, and that's that's it. Yeah, well, you know what's kind of interesting, just kind of viewing the projections that have come out over the last couple of weeks, you might actually have where the the winner of Bedlam gets an easier opponent in the Sugar Bowl than they might face in the Alamo Bowl. You're very well, I've seen I've seen a lot of projections that has USC going to the Alamo Bowl. Who wants to play them right now? No, if you, if you give me the choice playing Florida or playing USC, <laughs> exactly. I'm taking Florida every time. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt. There's no doubt at all. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's another interesting thing. I mean, you think – you think the loser would actually have an easier opponent, but it doesn't. It doesn't no. look that way. You're going to a better bowl and have an easier opponent. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a crazy scenario. You, you definitely want to go to the Sugar Bowl this year. That's a very weird scenario. You don't really see that very no, often. You don't. Uh, well, that just tells you how bad the SEC East is. Yeah, the, well, the SEC body, the body of the SEC. Well, well you have the minus, head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You minus Alabama. You're right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to something else here. Is interesting this week was, of course, the firing of Charlie Strong and the hiring of Herman. Uh, yep. So, what, what do you guys think about this? Well, the pl- all the players really liked Strong and stuff, but I don't. Th- I didn't. I didn't think they were doing that good with them. All. Well, well, yeah. I, I think when when you look at it in, in college football and sports in general, when you're around a program as much as these players are. The coach, aside from being a coach, also becomes almost a father figure to you. So of course they're going to mm-hmm. put all their support in him because that that's their guy. When they're when the administrations, which the administrators, the players don't really care about those no. guys. No. They're just kind of the the people behind the curtains that nobody ever sees. So when they're basically they they view it as an attack on them when you're coming after their coach. I, I think long term, you know, I think it was probably the right. I mean, it was obviously the right move. You can't have. 
you know, no offense to Tech or Kansas, but you can't have Texas losing to Kansas. It doesn't matter who's coaching them. No, well, the first time since 1938. Yeah. I mean that. Well, and then if you look at the the winning percentages, I mean, well, third worst winning percentage all yeah. time at Texas. I mean, all, all the signs were this was the right move to make. I mean, and, and the bad thing is, I, I like Charlie Strong. I think he's going to be a heck of a coach somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the guy. And, you know, and I understand why the players like him. It seems like he he would be a type of guy that you would like being around. It yeah. just it just doesn't work out at Texas. I mean, it's just that it's not his fault. It's not it just it didn't work out. I mean, it's just that simple to me. It, it'll be interesting to see how you know how it progresses. We were talking kind of before the show. You know, it doesn't sound like any of the current staff members or Charlie Strong staff members. None of those guys will be retained. I think they've came out and announced that that they're all gone. So he's going to bring in his own his own crew, which he brought. I think I heard it was six mm-hmm. from Houston, which uh, Major Applewhite's not coming due to the kind of ongoing legal Lawsuit. issues down there. Yeah, and then you have uh, his his buddy, the his roommate from college, the LSU defensive coordinator. I don't know his name, Arnada or something yeah. like that. You know, he he's done a great job at LSU and would have been a huge gift for Texas. Doesn't sound like he's going to come. Uh, there's been some rumors that Tim Brewster from Florida State, he'll be there, which is another great recruiter. It's like we had, we had talked about. You know, I don't know how many recruiters Texas actually needs. You kind of just walk in and, and throw the Longhorn hat down, and you're pretty much known anywhere you go. Absolutely. I, I'm kind of curious where he sees where he goes on this offense coordinator situation. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know he, he kind of likes to really have his hands in on the offense, and, and it's kind of one of those things sometimes where you get a guy – if you're if you're gonna get a good big time guy, that they don't want to be part of that. They want to do their offense. Let me do my way. It might, it might not be necessarily be one of the big name guys he gets necessarily on the offensive coordinator position. But but that being said, Herman's gonna have his hands in on it. You know, on top of that, so it's not gonna be just a one man show. And so I, I'm I'm kind of curious to see you know how, how this thing kind of plays out as far as the uh, you know as as time goes on. And another thing I'm curious to see is like people like uh, Foreman. Does he stay? Does he go? Like what? You know what? What kind of happens? Because you know, there was reports saying if if Strong's out, I'm leaving too. So I'm kind of curious to see what happens with that. Yeah, because there's been a lot of talk like Foreman can be to uh, Herman what Ricky Williams was to Matt Brown when he first came. That's true. There's been a lot of that, and you know you you also have the similarity with Foreman. You know with him crossing the uh, 2,000 yard mark this last game. He's the second running back in Texas history behind Ricky Williams. And if somehow they accept this bowl berth that they've been offered due to the APR scores, you know, maybe he has a shot to go out and finish as the all-time leading Texas rusher. And if he doesn't, he comes back next year. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I think as, if Herman's biggest selling point is going to be is going to be going there and be like, okay, when I was at Ohio State, this is I had Ezekiel Elliott, and th- this is what we did. And I can do the same thing with you. And look what he's doing in the NFL. You know, I can help you get to that point to be that next back like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's going to have to be his biggest selling point to, to Foreman is – because, I mean, I think Foreman would be great in his offense. I, I mean, I, hell, I think Foreman would be good in any offense putting man. I mean, it's amazing. So, I mean – Yeah. But Well, and you know what's kind of crazy is that lost in all of this is the fact that you have Chris Warren coming back next year too. So, it's true. not like if he leaves, they still have a very good running back coming back next year. That, that's very true. So, I mean, I, I – I think Herman's going to have to do some selling with with, with Foreman because it sounded like he was kind of, and if you know if he's projected as a high draft pick, I mean you can't blame the guy for going. Yeah. You you got you got to go. He doesn't seem like a first round pick to me. I think, you know, you've you've heard over the last couple of years that the NFL is not really looking to draft running backs high anymore. You know, Elliott being the exception, and I, I think somebody else was the year before. But typically, those are going to be drafted towards the end of the first round, if not early in the second. And to me, he he's kind of screaming second round to me. Yeah, well, I guess that's one of the things we talked about earlier. We have to wait and see what the draft exactly. the draft grades come out. Because I mean, if he's a first rounder, yeah, if he's a first round, he's gone. Yeah, he has to go. You have to I go, mean, whoever you are. If you're a first round and, grade, you got to go. And I, I almost think that Herman would have to say, "Thank you for your service, but you, you need to go." I mean, like yeah. this is your chance to go make some money. I mean, you, as a, as a coach, you got to want to do what's best for the kid in, in the long run too. Yeah. So, well, in in other news too, we got the Baylor the Baylor situation with with the coaching and. What what's going on with their coaching staff? And the latest news I heard coming out was is that with Chad Morris at SMU, they uh, offered him the job to, oh. to, to you know Chad to Chad Morris, but then uh, I think the contract was five years, twenty four point five million is what they offered him. What well, is and, it, Chad Morris, uh, a Texas A and M grad? Yeah, he is, and we're, we're going to touch on that here in just a second because uh, I guess after they offered him this, that he he counter offered 
And I guess that kind of, well, for lack of a better term, pissed off uh, the Baylor <laughs> the Baylor people, and they said, uh, well, we're going elsewhere. And so, I mean, but but what it sounded like to me, was, kind of what Josh Stratt brought up was, is that Chad Morse's dream job is Texas A&M, and he's kind of waiting on to see what happens with someone, you know, what happens next year with someone. Because it, it sounds like whenever he did the count offer, it must have been not just an extra year or something. It must have been a pretty big number. Because I guess it pretty much pissed them off whenever they they read the number. So I'm, I'm thinking he did that on purpose. Because like if you're going, if, if I'm going there, you're going to pay me a boatload of money, and you know it's it's going to be. So I, I have a feeling he he did that on purpose. I don't I don't necessarily think he thinks it's a bad job or anything, but I think he more thinks he's thinking long term. He wants to go Texas A&M. And so now it sounds like uh, here's a few names that popped up as uh, you know uh, Larry Fedora at North Carolina. And they have uh, Colorado's Mike McIntyre, which we've talked about off the air. And I don't see any way that he goes to Baylor from no. Colorado. That, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. You, you finally get Colorado back to, you know, respectableness. Everybody's talking about – right now, I mean, everybody is talking about, man, Colorado's back to what they were potentially back in the early 90s. You know, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a – Colorado actually flipped, uh, I believe it was an offensive tackle from Ohio State – Wow. If you're flipping linemen in Ohio State, can say whatever they want, but if you're flipping players from Ohio State, you're doing something right. Absolutely. That means you're. That means you're. You got something going good. Because and, and I'm. I'm sure it was probably a local kid, but you still, mean, you're you're catching in-state talent at that point, or you know, someone in the regional area. If they're saying, "Hey, you know what? Maybe I need to go to Colorado and become part of what's going on there," instead of going to Ohio State. Well, and that's that, you're right. That's a big get because I mean you don't turn down Ohio State no. to go, to go. Somewhere, I, I was shocked know. when I saw that. So I mean that's that's impressive. That that right there speaks volumes to what he's got going on there. So right. I I I just don't see him any way him leaving there. And another name was brought up was uh, California's Sunny Dykes, which I mean that's that's maybe a possibility. But those those two uh, going into this, the two that I thought had the best chance at the Baylor job were. Sonny Dykes and Chad Morris. Yeah. So if Morris is basically out of the picture at this point, I would think that they're going to make a hard go at Sonny Dykes. I'm with you. I mean, there's Philip Montgomery in Tulsa, which he, he's done an excellent job at Tulsa. He can't but touch that. That's no. what I'm saying. He, I don't think the administration can touch him. No. I think that's too close to, to what's happened. It's poison to both sides. You don't yeah. want to he, – he could be tied to too much by going back, which could hurt him. And the administration, they don't want to be the one hiring somebody from Bryles Tree right. immediately after getting rid of everybody else. And, and that's not the, not a knock on his coaching no, ability because he, he's done not. a hell of a job at Tulsa the yes. last two years. And so I, I think he is due here in the next year or so for a pretty good job, a, yeah. a step up. But uh, I, I don't see it being at Baylor just because of the past at Baylor, not not necessarily what his coaching ability is. And, you know, uh, one other coaching thing that's kind of bears relevance, read a lot of rumors – where they're throwing out names for the new coach at Houston. And, you know, a name that keeps popping up is Lincoln Riley from OU. Yeah. Which I think that would be a great fit. Well, I, th- I think it would be a good fit, too, because it seems like that, that's been a good job to get into exactly. and, then, and take that next step. It's a, it's a great stepping job, and it's an offensive school. If you look at the coaches that have come out of there, you know, Bryles, someone, um, the guy, Tom Herman, the Tom guy Herman. we were just talking yeah. about. I mean, these are teams with prolific offenses – and, you know, what's he known for? He's known for you know, he's a great offensive mind. And to me, it's a, it's too good of a fit. To, you know, I'd be worried if I was an OU fan, if that's actually. Yeah, it, it, I, on, on Houston's behalf, that would be a good hire for them. Yes. I think that would be an excellent fit for their system. You know, and another thing I wonder is is how, how well is Applewhite hooked up there at Houston? Because, I mean, it seems like, to me, he's always been that guy who's always – Kind of even when he played, around. yeah, whenever he played at Texas, even like he never got his fair share, yeah, you know. He he, he, you know, he's always got, he's always been, you know, just kind of pushed aside everywhere he's been. And it seems like he's a pretty damn good coach, and he's, he was a pretty good player too. And so I'm just curious if, if someone's actually going to give him a shot here. Well, I think they're going to give, you know, they're going to interview both coordinators for the position. But I don't know, kind of like what we're what we're saying. I don't think that it it wouldn't shock me if they went out and got someone like Lincoln Riley. Yeah, well, and which I couldn't blame them. I mean, Lincoln Riley's proven what he can do, yeah. and I mean, he's due. He with, with what's going on at OU right now, he's due. He's due for that job, that that head coaching job. It's just 
a matter of time. So, I mean, if OU doesn't lose him this year to Houston, they're probably going to lose him next year to somebody else. So, yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of time anyway. Well, I just I, I can't see someone like, like him at this point in his career with, with as young as he is, as little experience in the power five as he has going to a big-time job. I mean, he's not going to no. go to – you know, he's not going to jump to A&M. He's not going to jump to a job like that. He's going to have to prove himself as a head coach somewhere. And to me, what better place to go than Houston? You have yes. that recruiting hotbed right there in your backyard. You have proven success for all the coaches who have gone before, before you. Absolutely. And the, and the athletes that are there right now will fit your system pretty easily. Yeah, somebody, somebody's going to have Oliver for two more years. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to make your defense a lot better. Yeah, and then the offensive weapons they have, that fits right into his system, I think, fairly easy. So now, is, isn't Ward going to be there another year as yes. well? So you have a, a proven quarterback for your first year. I mean, to, to me, it seems like that would be the perfect setup. If, if I was a young coach, that would be the perfect scenario for me to go to. Yeah. And, and you know, OU fans uh, – whether you like it or not, Riley's going to go somewhere here pretty soon. He's too talented not to. I mean, yeah. it's it's just a matter of time. Well, and I think I don't I don't think they're being unrealistic to, you know, I think they expect that at some point. Well, which I mean, that's a that's a good thing for your program. I mean, yeah. that that just shows that you that you're producing. I mean, whenever your your assistant coaches get head coaching jobs, that's that's big time in my opinion. Yeah, it's hard to keep good assistants. It is. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and. Transition on here to the last part here, and this gets the spread, which uh, this week uh, was not too hot. Uh, Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, poor, poor Rady and I, we we uh, took some lumps here. We went one and four, and I knew I, w- I knew I shouldn't have took Auburn, but I thought everybody's going to Alabama. I'm going to try to go Auburn and sneak one out here, and it bit me in the ass. So well, I, I, I think half of my wins on the season are Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I should I, I've been riding them the whole year, but I thought, man, this might be my chance to get one up on them. And it was 17-point spread, and they went yeah. by 18. I'm like, seriously, man, just <laughs> miss a field goal or something. Help me out here. But, yeah, so we I went one and four. Brady went one and four. And then everybody else went uh, two and three. So, I mean, it, it was – the Colorado game kind of bit us. Other jockstrap, he picked Utah to cover, naturally. I felt bad, but then I felt good after the game. Yeah, well, what if too? Am I the only person under 500? Uh, yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I, I was looking at it like we picked the most losers. So <laughs> Yeah, we did that. You did a good job on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, overall records right now, we get, uh, I'm at 35 and 28. Uh, Corey's 34 and 29. Uh Brady and Jockstrap tied up third place at 33 and 30, and then Collins at 25 and 38. So, I mean, the top three, it's going to be close. It's going to come down the last couple weeks here. It's going to be fun. Uh, but, uh, if, if you want to, you can follow our uh, – we, we do our – get the spreads every week, and we also post them on our website at uh, bigxiicountry.com. And uh, you can come on there, and, and I know uh, Collins will be posting probably a couple, week, a couple times a week. He's been posting a blog. I'll be doing the same. And then Brady's will start adding his blogs in. So – There'll be some new information up there for you guys to check out. Yeah, Brady and I are coming out with a, an article this week kind of on on Bedlam. You know, you should expect some some good jabs back and forth, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like, kind of like pros and cons, right? Like I think it was reasons to like, win, reasons they might lose. Yeah, reasons why OU will lose and reasons why OSU will win, I think, was the the gist of it. <laughs> so it should be it should be pretty entertaining. And uh, you can follow us on there, and also follow us on Twitter because, like, so we we live tweet during games, and it's it's usually pretty entertaining. Cause we we usually catch something that's funny from somebody else, or we we have something going on, and it's uh, pretty entertaining. So you can check us out, uh, Big XII Country uh, on Twitter, and and uh, follow us on there. It's a good time, well, and uh, like to have you guys comment with us and ask us questions and stuff. Yeah, we're starting to get a little bit more back and forth from from some of the listeners, and you know, I don't know if. if if you guys do follow us, you'll see Corey and I go at each other all the time, and you know Brady and everybody kind of gets jabs in at each other. We try to keep it fun on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's it's more fun on there than it is actual uh, factual stuff. I mean, we we do say <laughs> factual stats and stuff, but it's more fun and entertainment on there. So we'd love for you guys to join us. And we, I know Corey posts usually posts multiple poll questions a week uh, for you guys to to chime in on and, and give us your opinions on things and. Uh, we, we'd love to have you guys send us some messages and questions or whatever you like. Yeah, just just remember yeah. when he does finally post the uh, the poll this week on who will win Bedlam, vote OSU. <laughs> Hashtag go pokes. Go pokes. <laughs> yeah, that, that would piss him off. That'd be good. <laughs> hey, and there's all, all three of us are Oklahoma State fans, so no OU fans are on. Yep, that's the reason we yeah. called it the poke hour today, yeah. the go poke hour. 
Yeah, yeah, but it'll be back to uh, well next week. We mean here in a couple of days we do the preview. Though, it should get pretty, pretty entertaining. <laughs> so if you guys want to tune into that, it should be some jabs thrown in that one. Especially so. the the fans from the other fan bases. Just just enjoy it. You know, we, we try to we try to cover everybody. This is this is kind of just one of those unusual weeks where everything's kind of the stars have aligned perfectly to give us this one shot at each other before we go back yes. to the conference championship game. And it does not normally happen like this no, at all. Doesn't. So this is just one, one in a million things. So we're going to take advantage of it and have some fun with it. Exactly. But, uh, you know, this upcoming, go ahead and tune in here in a couple of days and, uh, we'll, we'll have it posted up there though, but it'll be, we're going to cover the rest of the big 12 games, but also, uh, you know, probably heavily on the Bedlam game. Cause it does mean a whole lot within the conference. So. Yeah. Which I was, I was shocked. I believe it was Fox put out the thing where they had all the, championship games and they actually included bedlam yeah no it, it's not a an actual championship game as you will but it it is right in all for all intents and purposes you know it's the someone's leaving with the big 12 trophy that game exactly yeah you're exactly right it's someone's going to sugar bowl and someone's going to alamo bowl pretty yep. much what's getting to happen and someone's and, leaving with the bedlam bell yeah, exactly exactly right that's the important thing right there <laughs> so yeah tune in with us next week and uh we appreciate you guys listening and like i said uh email us get on our website uh Tweet us whatever whatever you want to do so we can communicate with each other. Give us uh, give us some reviews and ratings on on some of the you know media platforms we have the podcast on. We we like that as well. Yeah, we'd love to have you guys uh, chime in more. And like I said, we're firing up in basketball. So all you Kansas and Iowa State fans who maybe were holding back from football, dive in on some basketball because it's it's getting ready to fire up and it's going to be a blast. So. Yeah, and don't be don't be afraid to uh, take some shots at us. Oh we're, yeah, we're not. We're, yeah, we're grown men. We we appreciate the the negative it's, as well as the positive. It's it's fun to us. I mean, the, the, we're just doing this for entertainment. Like you know, we we love we love Big Twelve. We love sports, and that's the reason why we're doing it. So we're to, we're not getting paid to do this. It's just it's just fun to us. So yeah. have fun with us. You know, that's, that's what we want. The more the more times you guys are chiming in, the better off it's going to be. Yeah. So, well, until next time, I guess we're going to sign off here. Uh, so, you guys got anything else you guys want to add in real quick? Nope. You get jockstrap and you can go to the bathroom again? No, you good? No. <laughs> go pokes. <laughs>